0: Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney-turned-mediator, Lisa Kosky, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now, your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome, listeners. I am Lisa Kosky, and I am feeling blessed again to have Jenny Rochelle with me today, and the reason I'm so thankful that Jenny's here is I want to talk a little bit about something that a lot of people that listen to this podcast go through, and that is betrayal. And Jenny is the betrayal expert, and she is going to go into details about how she came to do what she does. But we're going to talk about betrayal and kind of healing from it, and then even move into dating a little bit. I don't think I talk about dating enough on this podcast, dating after divorce, dating after betrayal. So Jenny, so thankful that you're here. So excited to get to know you better. So welcome. And can you share your story as to how you became kind of the betrayal expert?
1: (laughs) I certainly never saw this coming a few years ago, for sure. But that's how betrayal is in general, right? It Mm surprised you. But thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited. So many of my clients or navigating divorce. And so I love that you're doing it differently because there's so much that's frustrating about the process. So I love the work that you do. So thank you. So I'm a betrayal trauma specialist. The dates always get a little bit fuzzy, but it was approximately 2012. I discovered that my now ex-husband, he was a sex addict. Now I'll talk a lot about betrayal in general. So sort of my experience and some of my training has been specific to women who are recovering from the discovery that their person was a sex addict. And so that's not everybody's case. When I find most of the women that find me, they have a similar story. And so it can look a little bit different. But I discovered that my now ex-husband was a sex addict. And I went into a denial about that for several years. And then about two and a half years later, I had, we called them in the sex addict, betrayal trauma world, we called them in D-Day, Discovery Day. when we're like, oh, we discover the affair, we discover the porn addiction, you know, like that. I've heard all kinds of horrible stories about things that have gone on, like disturbing stories. And So sex addiction can look like a different way, lots of different ways. I had my second D-Day with my ex-husband, realized he wasn't getting better, and started going through the process of, what do I do? Who's gonna help me? Like, how do I know how to engage with this person? Can he get better? How do I care for me? I had small boys right at home trying to navigate that whole process. It was one of the obviously most painful, darkest days of my life. And through that, discovered, finally found some great coaches and therapists that started to talk about betrayal trauma. Because I think it's this thing that's so overlooked in our world. We talk about affairs and we talk about, you know, porn addictions, a huge thing. Is it affair? Is it infidelity? If it is to you, it's a betrayal, right? I found, luckily, some great coaches and support that told me I was experiencing betrayal trauma. So let me pause there for a second and just kind of give a broad definition. Betrayal trauma at its rudest level, when it was originally defined, was defined by a woman who was actually working with children who are being abused by their caregivers. So betrayal trauma is when a person or institution that we rely on for safety and security betrays our trust. So you can see that's a really broad
0: definition, right? And Jenny, I was going to say too, like, I feel like there are some people, and so I'm so glad you brought this up, that maybe haven't been betrayed by their significant other, but maybe even a family member doing something that was shocking and it can be traumatic. So I feel like, I mean, I don't know if I know anyone who hasn't been betrayed in some way now i don't know when it becomes the level of a trauma right so maybe you'll share that with me
1: yeah absolutely and i think you're right i think we can experience sort of some level of trauma from any sort of betrayal and so you're right it's like if you think about i have two examples i like to talk about one is the catholic church and the priest scandal of what was happening Mm -hmm. That was a huge betrayal to that community and the outrage. And even those who weren't individually impacted, like everybody in that community was impacted by what was happening by the institution. My other favorite example is here in Texas, you know, a couple of years ago, we had, we call it snowed. We lost power, right? In water for a week, Right. We relied on that institution to keep us safe and secure, and it failed us, right? And it was multiple institutions, right, that that happened. But this outrage and upset that was happening after that was the state of Texas feeling betrayed by, right, supposed to keep us safe and secure. So those are sort of examples of like an institutional level. But you're right, we have friends betray us, like girlfriends, right, bosses can betray us, and it's extremely personal. And I think we can discount our experience. Because it wasn't our spouse. Right. And it's actually, it's just as profound. And is it a trauma or not a trauma? People respond differently to different circumstances. And so I think if you have a history of prior trauma, you might have a stronger, more traumatic reaction. We also know these days, though, so there's like capital T traumas and like little t traumas. Yeah. right? And so it may not be a capital T, but it for sure it could be a little t.
0: Right. Okay. So you're, you're going through this betrayal. You're trying to navigate. How did you heal from it? (laughs) It's ongoing. (laughs) Can the, or the spouse or the other person also heal from being the betrayer? Yeah. And that's very much
1: dependent on them and their process, right? Like, are they ready to do the work and do the healing and again, sort of speaking specifically to when there's sex addiction. So my ex, the sex addict, he is in recovery. We co-parent together. He's very active in the recovery community here. And so I think they can heal. It takes a really long time to recover from sex addiction because the empathy pathways in the brain, they don't exist. And so they have to re- learn how to have empathy. And it can take two to five years. For that rewiring to happen, it's significant. Wow. And I'll say that most—I don't have statistics. This is more about experiential reality, right? Most sex addicts have a prior history of trauma as well, right? And so, is can they admit to themselves, like all addicts, that they have a problem
0: and mm-hmm. work to get better, right? So, kind of heal yourself, right? Yeah, but you're going to be in it for a while.
1: Absolutely. That's sort of like, you know, that addicts, the person in the addictions process, the betrayer, whether well, betrayed, again, it, it can depend on the level of trauma that occurs, you know, but I don't want to like minimize everyone suffers the same. We don't want to do comparative suffering right. and traumas for myself and the women that I usually work with. There's been sort of significant lies and betrayal that have happened over a number of years. And so you have often capital T traumas and lots of cumulative little t traumas that also happen. And so that process can also take a really long time. And depending on where you are in the relationship and where, if you're staying in the marriage, where your partner's recovery is, because we heal from trauma in phases. So I've been trained by the, I have to say this slowly, the Association <laughs> <laughs> at SETS, Association of Partners of Sex Attic, Trauma Specialists. And they have developed what they call the multidimensional partner trauma model. And even though sex addicts is in the title, it really is about betrayal and trauma and that process. And they have dealt, developed this model that's rooted in work done by Judith Herman, who talked about trauma in general. So for many years, partners of sex addicts were called co-addicts. And we were labeled as enabling and codependent. And I'm thinking, I don't like any of these words. That's why I don't like any of these words. And what they discovered What they made the case for was actually all of these behaviors that are labeled as codependency are actually PTSD. Really? And that's what we know now. There's so much more conversation about trauma. It's for, you know, like Oprah and Dr. Barry's book
0: about what happened to you. Yeah.
1: That's what we need to be asking, right? Instead of like, what's wrong with you?
0: I was just going to ask you. So you mentioned that there are four stages to healing. Can you just let me know what those are? I can't. I said four.
1: There's actually three. So state okay. is safety and security. So that's in the beginning, you discover the betrayal. You need a whole lot of boundaries. You need a whole lot of support. And you have to have that safety and stability in your life to go on to the other phases. If you're constantly being re-traumatized or you don't feel safe, you can't heal from that, right? Because it's ongoing. It's like you're having a car wreck every day, right? Or you're tripping and falling on a broken leg every day. And I'll just say a little bit about more about the PTSD. And there's been some work done by APSAT, some studies that 76% of people, mostly women, have <laughs> experienced who discover their partner's a sex addict experience PTSD similar to someone who's had a violent sexual assault. Really? It's real. It is significant in the body, right? Like the dysregulation. The rapid heartbeat, the triggers, like all of that, it's very serious reaction. And even like I said, if your partner is not a sex addict, the betrayal is so significant. So phase one is all about safety and security. Phase two is about remembrance and mourning. Okay. So this is where you start to do more of the healing work. You can do some family of origin work at this time. You're starting to do maybe a little more couples work, but it's where the first phase, you really can't work on yourself. Right. Until in all the relationship, until you have the safety in place, remembrance is warning is where you start to do some of more of the grieving process. Not that you're not grieving the whole time, but you do remembrance and more, you start to pay attention to your story. Do you look at what happened to you? It's just you start to dig in deeper to some of the healing process. Then finally you get to stage three, which is called reconnection. So that's the time where you're really reconnecting with self reconnecting with other people, you know, when you go through a trauma, it's so isolating, right? Especially fears and with sex addiction. We can talk about drug addiction all day, but when it comes to sex, (laughs) you don't want to talk about it. It's (laughs) taboo, right? Which I think is why sex addiction is a thing because we still have so much shame around sex. Right. But reconnection is like, it's starting to reconnect with yourself, if you're in staying in the marriage, starting to reconnect, do more couples work, and like reconnecting with the bigger world, especially in the case of the divorce, who am I now? How do I start to move on? What does dating look like, right? How do I start my whole life over? In my case, I was 48 with three boys. So I was like, what? Which is why it can be really hard to leave a relationship that's not good for us because we're afraid to start over, right?
0: Right. When we're older. So you get safe and secure so that you can work on yourself. Yeah. And then you start listening to your story, being aware of it, and then kind of healing from it, right? And then the reconnection begins. Right. So the three steps. Yeah. So this is kind of where maybe dating would come in. And I can imagine that once you've been betrayed, it would be a little bit scary. Absolutely. To trust anyone you know?
1: Absolutely. I actually, I like to call dating like three plus or like sex is like three plus plus. (laughs) (laughs) That's very slowly, right? And it's different for everybody when you get to that point. But absolutely. We have all these fears around dating. Am I too old? Is my picker broken? Right? Are there any good men out there? And really, I find that all of it boils down to, do I trust myself to make good decisions? Because ultimately, unfortunately, we blame ourselves for what happened. and We do that for some really valid reasons. One of them, it's like, we can blame ourselves. We can keep it from happening again. Right. Uh, yes. It's like, I know what I did wrong. I cannot get my heart broken again if I don't do that specific. right? Yeah. And so it's learning to trust yourself again. And you trust yourself, you know, the variety of ways that you work on this. this is what I work on with clients is, you know, lots of boundaries. But at this stage, so my boundaries in stage one that are really about other people, right? And what you need to feel safe. When you mm-hmm. get to stage three and three plus, they're really about you, right? Like some of the examples when you get to this point as you're trying to move on is like, you don't stalk your ex's social media anymore, right? <laughs> Okay. In case, it's understandable. It's normal. It's actually like a way that we create safety and security for ourselves. We want all the information that we can get. But at some point, it becomes harmful, right, to us. Other types of boundaries are like, when we start talking about sex, you say, like, I'm not going to sleep with this person until X, Y, and Z. And then we get in the heat of the moment, as we do. And maybe we go further than we're actually comfortable with. All those little small ways, or how you know we cannot trust ourselves. We have right, right. So it's boundaries for ourselves and sticking with those. And that's like, and it's a slow process. Like you learn to trust yourself over time. And one of the things that I do is I do relational pattern work that I pull together. It's a little bit of a model theory, which says right, like we pick a person unconsciously to heal what happened just when we're little kids. And I blend that with, so we look at like family board stuff, I blend that with, it's actually a 12-step moral inventory process where we look at all of your relationships and figure out what's the pattern of how you've showed up over time. It's always fascinating. I have women that are like, I've done all the family origin. and I'm like, I promise you'll find something different when you do this work. And when we can understand how we've been showing up in relationships, and it's typically unhealed unprocessed trauma from when we were little girls. Nobody gets everything that they need when they're little girls. They we're trying to work that out. Again, it's trauma. It's not conscious, right? So when we can see that, then we can understand and start to make choices differently in relationships.
0: Okay. And I love that because it's you going in and you can't do this unless you're going to go in and do the work. Right. Nothing is easy. It's not like... Can can you fix me? And you know, so it's really digging deep. And, you know, I have not done that work. So that would be really interesting to me to learn more about those patterns because I'm all about kind of being in control of my thoughts, yeah, which affect my feelings, which put me, you know, in a better position. You know, and one question this might be a little outside of what we're talking about, but that popped into my head, what about the women who aren't positive? about their husband or about a betrayal, how do they know that they've been betrayed? Because obviously he's not going to tell you, (laughs) probably. (laughs) He or she, I should say. He or she, exactly. Yeah. Or they. Right. I know there's all kinds of different things now. Yes. So, I mean, that's pretty
1: common, actually. I'm sure in your world and in my world. And how I work with clients is like, if it's true for you, it's true. Right. I think with many of the women I work with and with my own self, you reach a certain point, you're never going to know the whole story. Right. That acceptance piece is really hard. So I always talk about the asterisk that's right back here. I keep joking. I'm going to get a tattoo that's an asterisk. It's like when I'm telling my story, there's an asterisk and it says, as far as I know. Right. It's like, as far as I know, this is what happened. Right. Part of like living with betrayal trauma is you know, even when I talk about my current husband, who's the most magnificent person in the world, but when I tell my story about how great it is, there's still, like, this little voice in the back of my head that's, like, as far as I know. And it's just right. It's called hypervigilance, which is, like, when you have significant trauma,
0: especially betrayal trauma, you are then sort of on guard for something yeah. that happened, right? Yeah. So I know this is interesting. So maybe that's just kind of a part of what you carry with you on your journey because it sounds like you are.
1: Absolutely. It is, I joke, unfortunately, the trauma is the gift that keeps on giving, right? right. right. <laughs> <laughs> we get better. And I think what happens is the triggers become less in our body. One of the things that I teach women to really connect with their bodies, like you just mentioned, we're living, I call it the addict right? This tiny part of our minds. And we actually know now there's more information traveling up through our nervous system and through our gut to our mind than the other way around. And so we can tap this another way to learn to address our bites, is learn to tap into what's happening inside their bodies. And so the work actually is to sort of start to disengage the mind from the body. So for me, I'm driving around town. I'll drive back past the place where I had a, a trauma with my ex associated, right? It's like this certain intersection here. Right. I know something bad. I'm not going to go into details, <laughs> but happened there. It used to, I would see it, my body would react to it. I would get triggered just like the bear was in the room, like it was happening all over again. Heart would pound, you know, I couldn't be able to breathe. I would go into fight or flight, basically, mm-hmm. when you get triggered. Now I drive by, I'm like, oh, there's the place. And then it goes away. I still have a thought, but it doesn't grab a hold of my body like the way that it used to. But will I ever drive by that spot and not think about it? I don't know. Right. And that's the process of living with, right, with
0: living. Right. So now my question, like for you, you're now in a great new relationship. Do you, I'm sure he understands everything that you've been through. So are you safe in just letting him know, oh, I just have to let you know that this popped into my head. And is that part of your everyday moving on?
1: It is. I mean, we've been together for years now. And so definitely we have a habit and a pattern. I don't have to let him know when it happens every time because it kind of totally goes. But for sure, in the early days when we were dating, you know, absolutely. Once I decided I really liked him, my body went nuts. My nervous system was like super triggered. It was like Uh, back in the unsafe situation because my body, which our body keeps the score, right? That's what that means. I remembered being vulnerable and hurt. And so, you know, probably two months of really like trying to regulate my nervous system and a lot of really honest conversations with him. And I never sat down at once and told him like my whole story, which is significant. But it would tell him sort of like little pieces of it and saying, this is me. Decide whether you're in or not. If you're in, this is what it's going to look like. And it's going to be messy and it's going to be a process. And he's been amazing. Right. And because <laughs> it's <I'm> worth it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, absolutely. <laughs>
0: absolutely.
1: But like lots of talking about, I'm feeling triggered. And he would do something that triggered me. And so part of my work is like, okay, how much is it about this thing that he did and how much of this is what happened in the past? And I'll tell you, it also happens when you're raising kids, because teenagers.
0: Yeah. It's
1: a developmental process, right? Right. right. And you're like, oh, I have this big reaction. How much is it about my 15-year-old? How much is it about like, you know, what my ex did? So try and navigate that and trying to be as honest with yourself and learning oh I need to regulate myself this is not so much about what Jeff's but about what happened with Jeff but what happened in the past
0: right so kind of being aware of those feelings and triggers and then looking at maybe the thoughts behind yeah. that and then you know you can remember the thought that oh that was Jeff right. now I'm with yeah well the ex was Rob, Curtis oh, is Jeff sorry. <laughs>
1: That's okay. I always like trying to be very clear, but yes, I have an ex and then I have my current husband as well. Yeah. And being very honest with him and he now, you know, we're so in tune with one another, he'll know when I'm triggered. Like he can sense it because I get quiet, my energy changes and he'll be like, what's happening over there? Let's talk about what just happened. And it really took an incredible ability on his part Mm -hmm. to not take it personally. And he does that about 90% of the time. There are times when he's tired or when, you know, he does take it personally because it's hard. Yeah. The longer we're together, the better we are at navigating it. Let's just pause and just say, okay, this is about the past. It's about the present. I want to minimize what's happening right now because there's a real
0: thing that's happening.
1: But it's being amplified by what happened in the past. Yeah.
0: I love this because it's a realistic picture of a hope. It's not a fairy tale. It's not like, oh, yep, it's all gone, poof. But it's about how you can have a relationship after it. And I so love to hear that. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before the saddle up segment and this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my Parenting Plan online course. It is or you, if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children, I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan. You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com check on my online courses and sign up for the Parenting Plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. And Jenny, I'm like looking at the time and it's gone so fast. Ah. I love listening to you and your stories and your advice. And so now Towards the end of my podcast, I always have this saddle up segment where my guests will share with my listeners one little tip or self-help thing that they can do right away to, you know, have a better life beyond divorce or betrayal or whatever. Do you have a piece of advice?
1: I do so many things. The first thing that pops into my head is just remember that you're not alone, right? Like it's this process can be so isolating. So get yourself the support that you need. Like get a therapist, get a coach, get a yoga teacher, get a women's group. You know, it's a season to really heavily invest in yourself and do the work. That's how I have. I'm happier now than I ever thought I would be in my entire life. But I've done a whole lot of work on myself. Right. Also, I my really great divorce lawyers. <laughs> it was a huge part of my team for that process.
0: So that's wonderful to hear. Well, Jenny, I know you have your own podcast. I think it's called Beauty After Betrayal. Yeah. Very good. People can reach you on Instagram. And how can they get in touch with you if they want a little bit of mentoring through a betrayal?
1: So I've created a quiz, actually. You can go to BetrayalTraumacquiz.com. And it's fun, but it asks a lot of questions to assess where you are in those healing stages. And then I have different programs, like some are evergreen where you can opt in and do videos and some you know could be more involved with me directly. But that's a way to understand where you are And you will just get so many resources, podcasts, blog posts, other things that I've written to start your army with the knowledge and know that you're not alone.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's so good. Well, Jenny, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on Doing Divorce Different.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.